Hello and welcome to another episode of the Coaches and Leaders Assemble podcast, the podcast for all things coaching, leadership, people and culture with me, your host, Laura Royal from DNA Coach. And it's my pleasure today to share with you a fantastic guest interview in today's episode featuring Anthony Taylor, originally from 359 as the organization, but recently relaunched a brand new business uh, with his wife, Joanne, and the new business is AQR Consulting. So you'll get to find out even more about the fantastic uh, Anthony and Joanne at AQR Consulting, who are the number one choice for evidence-based transformational solutions that help people, teams and organisations make the most of their talent as a key international distributor of their innovative assessments. And that's what Anthony is going to be sharing with us today, all around the subject of mental toughness. So get your notepads and pens at the ready as we dive right in. Here we go with the lovely Anthony Taylor. Welcome, Anthony Taylor. How the devil are you? I'm really well, thanks, Laura. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. It's been a wee while since I saw you last, the last time we um, saw each other. Well, apart from Zoom just a second ago, <laughs> but in yeah. person, um, was back in June at the Coaches and Leaders Assemble conference in Newcastle, which you very kindly agreed to speak at. So first and foremost, thank you so much for doing that. You were an absolute delight. Your session went down a storm. How did you find the day? It was a brilliant day. It was really good. So I have to say huge credit to you and your team pulling that together. Uh, I think the range of speakers you had were fantastic. There's some great uh, speakers, some really good in insights, some great um, attendees as well. Uh, no, I thought it was a superb day. It was a real privilege to be a part of it. Honestly, I just thought it was such a great day. And you're right, the, the level of speakers, you know, you get a flavour for people when you when I go through all the applications mm. and you get a flavour for people. And of course, I've stalked a few folk online and, you know, followed them on LinkedIn for quite some time or been introduced as a recommendation. And you just know there's going to be some good people. But even I was astounded at the level that, that was there on the day. So it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then, of course, I thought, well, what's next? Let's get Anthony on to the Coaches and Leaders Assemble podcast to share all the wonderful things that are uh, under your fantastic topic of mental toughness. Mm. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of that today, what I would love for you to share is a wee bit about yourself, if that's okay. So for our audience, please tell us a little bit about you, who you are, what your organisation is, and a little bit about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, crikey, very quickly, I spent 20 years in the corporate world, um, largely as head of communications for various large organizations like the Very Group, um, General Medical Council, a couple of uh, large-ish PR consultancies uh, like that. And then after about 20 years, I got really fed up with that, if I'm being honest. And I'd been coaching since about 2006. And that was my passion. Absolutely loved it. Thought that's what I want to do. Uh, but wife at the time didn't really like the idea of it. Salary drop, all the usual stuff. And then a few years later, I found myself divorced. And I just thought, actually, I need to follow my passion. And kind of identified around that period that my purpose and my values were all around helping other people achieve more than they thought themselves capable of. And that um, that sort of stuck with me. So just threw myself into it and changed career and got myself retrained up as a coach, facilitator, and been working with organizations ever since. 
What a wonderful journey. It's always um, really refreshing to hear people like yourself that you've you've had that sort of epiphany moment where you thought, mm-hmm. actually, I've done some great work in the corporate space, but now it's about being able to expand that perhaps to, to a wider audience because I'm sure in your own business, it's not just one organisation or one group of people that you support. You get to yeah. do so much more when you are your own organisation. Would you feel the same on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of what lay behind it as well was, you know, I'd had some managers and some leaders, kind of people that you'd walk through walls for. They just inspired you. They brought out the best in you. And then I had some of the other kind. And I just thought, you know what, if I can just help in some small way, improve the quality of management and leadership through what I want to do now, then actually that's got to be, because I know the difference that the bad ones had on me and my mindset on my mood. Yeah you know, home life. And I just thought, actually, if I can help improve that a little bit, then, you know, that will keep me really fulfilled. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's um, it's so worth it, isn't it? And I know it's always tough being, you know, the person who is the owner, director of your own business and making that transition mm-hmm. is quite a tough decision in itself, isn't it? Being able to take that punt, as it were, to think, actually, is this what I want to do when we have that perhaps a little bit less security than we do when you're in full-time employment, but actually what you are able to give to others in that in that business uh, that you have is, is, you know, priceless from that perspective. Yeah, um, definitely. And it's scary. It is, you know, I remember yeah. starting out and thinking, this is great. I'll be all gung-ho and I go and do it for a bit. And then I'll be honest, I ran out of money and went, oh, I've got to go back into interim work doing what I was doing. So I did that, made it, saved a bit more money, then go and do this again and then go, oh my God, the bills, because I was divorced, single dad at that point um cranky i'm gonna pay the bills and go back to interim and then really it all changed for me on when i met my now wife and she just turned around after a few months i thought i really believe in you and what you're doing so let's let's just cut our cloth let's give you business two years she was in a similar sort of space and we might talk about that a bit later but she was in a similar space and said you know i believe in you so let's just cut our cloth according for two years and and see how it goes and thankfully we've never looked back Love that. Oh, how um, great that you've got that supportive other half in your life as well. It's great to hear that. And I I want to ask you, and I did the the last time that we we saw one another, but I absolutely love the name of your business. So um, your business is 359, is that right? Yes, it is. Tell me a little bit about where the name for your business comes from, because I found this fascinating and I think our listeners will as well. Yeah, it comes from, well, the background to it is I was uh, in my young years, uh, not so much now, my young years, I was a pretty talented middle distance cross country runner. Um, So in in the summer, I'd do uh, 1500, 3000, that kind of distance on track. And then I do cross country in the winter and I was pretty talented. Um, So I'd obviously come across and heard about Roger Bannister and breaking the four minute mile. So the, the business 359 is the nod to him and his breaking the four minute mile because it, you know, he believed that he could do it when the rest of the world said it was impossible, that the body couldn't do it, that the mind couldn't do it. And even though he come back from some significant failures and setbacks leading up to that, he obviously did that fantastic achievement. So for me, that kind of epitomized what I wanted my business to be about in terms of helping other people achieve their four minute miles, if you like. Love it. I absolutely think that is a, you know, it's such a unique name for a business. And um, when you you often see businesses like that, you think, where did that come from? There's usually a backstory and yours is just great. Love, Love that you've shared that. 
Um, and then today, Anthony, you're going to talk about mental toughness, making the invisible visible and perhaps how coaches, trainers, companies can use that little understood part of our personality that you shared with me to improve mm-hmm. things like recruitment, performance and well-being. So over to you. Tell us what is mental toughness, because it might be a phrase that people think to themselves, oh, oh hang on, I'm not sure if, if I've heard of that before or what would that mean? Over to you. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And it's funny, I think most people have heard of it and they've probably heard of it through a sporting context. You know, so-and-so's got great mental toughness or it took great mental toughness to be able to do something like that. And I think, um, you know, if we look at that through the lens of overcoming adversity, toughing it out, that all sort of macho, machismo, perhaps resilience type lens, Whereas actually when we start to look at it for what it really is and we see the nuances behind it, it becomes such a, a much more powerful tool for, for, for coaches, trainers, for everybody really. So to summarize what actually it is, mental toughness is a plastic personality trait which uh, determines in some part how we respond when we're exposed to stress, pressure, challenge and opportunities. And it's a bit of a mouthful. So if we break it down, the plastic personality trait means that it's something that we all have. Every single one of us has an element of mental toughness. Plastic means it's developable, so you can build it up. But also, and this is really important, exposure to stress and pressure over a long period of time can also weaken. So it can move up and, and move down. And I think that's really important. We'll come back to that. And then it's how we how we respond mentally when we're exposed to stress, pressure, and challenge. So basically it's how we think, you know, and we all think differently according to different situations. We all respond differently. So unlike other assessments, which might look at, you know, our personality, our behavior, we can adjust our behavior depending, you know, I don't behave the same at work as I do at home. And I don't behave the same at home as I do without with the lads on a, you know, weekend watching the rugby and having a few beers. So we can moderate our behavior. But how we respond mentally when we're exposed to stress, pressure, and challenge um, is going to largely be the same wherever we might experience that. And that, so that's what mental toughness is. It's basically how we think. And again, it's interesting because when you hear the phrase on its own, you think, oh, what is that? But then how you've described that, you think to yourself, you know, already a number of situations and scenarios and experiences that I've had in my life. And I've thought to myself, actually, yep, I, I you know, I dealt with that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there must have been something in me that had that sort of mental toughness to get me through whatever that thing is that I was experiencing it at that time. And I've even, you know, even casting my mind and just thinking as you were talking there, what would that have looked like for me? I recall a circumstance and a situation, um, uh, you know, a number of years ago now when I got mm-hmm. divorced, actually, I felt to myself, this is this is the, one of the toughest things that I've ever had to get through. But I've got that mental toughness to be able to get me through it successfully. Mm-hmm. It took a little bit of time, of course, but, you know, we're here to tell the story. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I want people to think about. I think often... Yeah, you know, people think of uh, personality or whatever as something that's fixed. And I don't think some of the assessments that other people use, and they're not, not wrong, they're, they're all useful in their way, but they often apply labels to us. You know, you're a green or you're a D or you're an, uh, an ENTF or whatever it might be. Whereas I want people to think about this concept of mental toughness less about who you are and more about where you are. Because where you are on the continuum 
can be transient. So if somebody is at the lower end or more mentally sensitive, that's okay. You know, plenty of people who are mentally sensitive go on and achieve great things in life. But equally, if they decide that they want to build up their mental toughness to be able to cope with stresses and pressures and challenges they're facing, then there are tools and techniques that will allow them to do that. Um, so it doesn't matter. It's not a label about who you are. You're mentally sensitive or you're mentally tough. It's about where you are. Equally, people who are more mentally tough at the other end, often without self-awareness, can become their own worst enemy and uh, respond to or put themselves in situations that actually decrease their mental toughness over time because they're continually exposed to stuff. And just like if you think about you know, any elastic band, if you stretch it too much, it gets to the point where it will snap or it won't go back to the same thing. And that's the same with those human beings. So I don't want people to think about mental toughness as a, it's who you are. You're, you are or you aren't. It's a where you are. And that, yeah. I think, is what's really important. Yeah, I like that. So um, for any of our, our listeners thinking today about perhaps how you might assess your mental toughness or how you might develop it, what 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 would we do? Well, we've got a, a tool. This has been developed over about 30 years now by um, a psychometric provider called AQR uh, International. And they've developed, a, uh, it's called the MTQ Plus, was a suite of different MTQs, but it looks at our mental toughness. And that's been developed over about 25, 30 years. It's highly respected, really valid instrument, psychological instrument to look at mental toughness and measure somebody's mental toughness um, and that's the first thing is, is understanding where you sit now it's not such a thing as you know you are you're high or you're low within the four c's model of mental toughness there are four four c's obviously you've got control commitment challenge and confidence but then each of those two is divided down into two subsections meaning that there are eight factors that we can measure and each of those scores are independent of each other. So if you take control, that's about that's broken down into two factors. Life control, the degree to which we feel in control of our lives, we're able to influence what goes on around us, um, et cetera. And also emotional control, the degree to which we're able to manage our emotions in every given circumstance. Now, it's possible you have someone who's high on emotional control and low on life control. So that would characterize someone as, you know, quite difficult to read. They don't show their emotions. They don't give their game away, if you like. Uh, but actually, uh, they don't feel that they can influence things that happen to them. So they feel that life is done to them, or they're a bit more of a passenger rather than something they can grab by the scruff of the neck. Um, and that applies to each of the other, the C. So it is about um, understanding. And that's where that instrument is really helpful because that becomes really useful then in, in so many different settings again this is really powerful stuff isn't it because mm. you know how you described at the start as being that plastic you know I think of that as being quite malleable and you described it as being that developable skill I suppose would it be a skill how, how would you define that yeah, you know, mental. We talk. If you look in the world of sport, there are lots of people that are called mental skills coaches. Mental skills are they are a skill. They can be taught and learned. And while you might have a natural uh, prediction or predilection for one end of the continuum or the other, as you talked about, Lou, we all develop things. You know, you are more resilient as a result of what you've been through in your life than you were perhaps in your early twenties. As am I. 
because we tend to increase our resilience as we go through life and we come out the other side of challenging experiences. Not always, but the majority of time. So, yes, there are skills that we can do to develop our mental toughness. So it is a, a continuum and, and we do move around that. And again, this is something that, you know, I, I certainly align with the element of resilience, for example. If we think mm. about that became one of the, I hate to use this phrase, but it's fairly you know, reasonable to say that it became one of the pandemic buzzwords, um, yeah. but with real depth and meaning because we really were facing some of the toughest challenges of our lives at that point and being able to you know, get ourselves through that, of course, probably required a lot of a lot of many things. Resilience being one, mental toughness probably being another. So, how would you um, support a person in developing their mental toughness, or or what could any of our audience members, um, or even us, do in order to develop that mental toughness? I think there are lots of different things. Um, you know, if we there are lots of things we can start to do around learning to manage our emotions. You know, if we think that often. Um, our emotions can drive so much of our behavior and how we respond to things. Learning to manage our emotions is really helpful. Um, I think learning to understand that emotions are is our data and not directors. Just because we have a powerful emotion doesn't we mean we have to act on that emotion. And there are lots of tools and techniques that can help with that. Practicing mindfulness, becoming more, improving our emotional literacy in terms of understanding what are the emotions that we're feeling. Learning to sit with those emotions um, can be incredibly helpful as a way to, to do that. If we look at then thinking about life control, you know, often uh, you'll see that just in terms of what's the thing that what you know focusing on what you can do so quite often things that challenge us seem really big and oh, i can't do this i could never do that but actually yeah. what's this what's the one small thing you can do you know chunk it down i um I put a post up the other day about I've been to the gym and I was doing a particular workout that involved lifting a barbell. It wasn't very heavy barbell. It's 30 kilograms um, across four That's heavy, movements. Anthony. <laughs> Let's that? just pause there. That's heavy. That's heavy. I think that's heavy, I'm sure. Uh, there are lots of people, people that wouldn't even that. notice it. But there's, <laughs> um, there's, so just lifting this barbell over four movements um, rising up a ladder from one rep for each movement all the way up to 10 and then back down again. And when you add all the number of reps that they've done, it came to about seven and a half tons that I'd lifted oh. in the course of just 20, just, just over 20 minutes. And the point was, you know, you could never lift seven and a half tons in one go, but if you break it down into one small 30 kilogram lift, then actually over time you can do. So it's about, and we can apply that, that theory, if you like, to, to so many other things what's the one small thing i can do that's going to move me forward yeah that. and that's a really powerful coaching question isn't it that you can yeah. utilize as a self-coaching perspective but also as a, a question perhaps to ask others when when we do face that you know big thing whatever it is mm. that we have project to be working on big ambition or goal that we want to you know realize and come to fruition whatever that thing might be in that moment what's that small step towards getting to that point so you know it would be lovely if we could all lift seven tons or whatever it might be I mean yeah. I don't, love lovely's maybe a stretch but <laughs> just thinking about breaking that down into those more you know realistic things that we can do in order to get to that that point is, is yeah. great I love how you've defined that and I think and, that's the same with yeah. oh sorry go on no carry on after you 
I was going to say, if we think about the sort of the next C, which is around commitment, that's got two sections to it. So there's goal orientation, the degree to which we like to set goals. And then there's achievement orientation, the degree to which we will do whatever it takes to achieve those goals. Now, some people love setting lots of goals uh, and other people don't. They'll find them quite threatening. They'll rather only set one or two, whereas some people like to set lots of goals. But if we look at achievement orientation, you know, if we're thinking about building mental toughness, then I, you know, a lot of times people focus on an outcome goal. So, you know, if the one for me is I'm trying to lose a bit of weight at the minute, Laura. I think summer's not been kind, been a bit lazy. So I'm trying to shift the stone in weight. And if I focused on the outcome goal, then actually if I don't seem to be making the kind of progress I want to be, it can be a bit discouraging. But if I swap my focus away from the outcome goal to think about what are the process goals? So what are the three things I need to do on a daily basis that are going to move me towards achieving that outcome goal and if i focus on them on a daily basis i know i'm going to hit that goal so we can shift our attention away from the outcome onto the process goal so that's just another small kind of technique that we can start to use uh, and that helps with resilience because when you combine the control and the commitment bit together that's what we take as being resilience is that ability to deal with setbacks manage ourselves and still complete what we set out to achieve it's a really interesting context. I talk to people all the time, Anthony, about goal setting. And one of the things um, that we use as an example is good old New Year resolutions, isn't it? Where we set yeah. set them, you know, for anyone that does partake in that. And, and I've been guilty of it before setting them, but then actually getting myself in a twist or a bit of a huff with myself for not achieving it. And it's because I very much set it toward what the outcome is rather than thinking about, well, what are the progress points along that way to reaching mm. whatever that goal might be so um, I think being able to shift that from that goal to achievement orientation uh, from that perspective is 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 priceless isn't it to think about how do we go about realizing some of those goals that we might we might set um love this so if we think about so that's control commitment um, Mm. and I think you said the other two c's if I've if I've paid attention correctly were challenge and confidence is that right yeah absolutely so challenge is what we see as mindset and that again that's broken down into two elements uh one is around our is around risk our attitude to risk are we willing to get out of our comfort zone the degree to which we're willing to stretch ourselves to try something new or are we more risk avoidant and again it's not that risk avoidant is a bad thing because there are settings when being risk avoidant can be very helpful and then the other aspect of um mindset or challenge is around that learning orientation the degree to which we're willing to learn from our mistakes our failures or not um, and that's what we class as mindset is that challenge orientation so that can be really important as well are you willing to learn from your failures are you willing to get out of your comfort zone to stretch yourself or not and, that, and again that's on that continuum and then the last one is around confidence and that's broken down into interpersonal confidence so the degree to which we're willing to state our point of view have a debate speak up in meetings um accept challenge have have that kind of constructive debate and then uh confidence in our abilities and again just because one might be high in one doesn't mean that they're going to be high in another so a classic one that we see sometimes quite often is someone who might be high in interpersonal confidence, but quite low in confidence and abilities. And that tends to be a sign that they are experiencing imposter syndrome. So they've yeah. got great gift of the gab, the happy talk all day, but actually they don't believe inherently what they're saying or they believe they're going to be found out. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm sure there's listeners, um, you know, absolutely recognizing some of those patterns or some of those um, mindsets or approaches for themselves. I certainly mm. do um, from that perspective. Oh, this is great. So when did you start getting involved in all of this stuff, Anthony? It was about 2000 and um, quacky, when was it? 2014. I came qualified as a mental toughness practitioner in 2015. Funny enough, that's actually where I met my wife. I'd gone on this, this two-day course to become qualified in this instrument. And I guess I'd always been interested in it because I'd always played sport to a you know moderately decent amateur level, rugby, um, cross country, etc. I'd always been interested in the concept of mental toughness and read around it. And then uh, thinking about the challenges that I've been through with my own divorce and one thing and another, um, I just thought, actually, that's something I want to learn more about. And if, yeah. if I can help other people build up their mental toughness. So that became sort of my first real thing was learning more about that and how to become accredited. So I've been using it for, crikey, coming up for 10 years now. No, that's it. When you say those years in numbers, it doesn't, it probably feels like a couple of years ago, but then all of a sudden you're like, no, that was nearly 10 years ago. What's going yeah, on? Absolutely. Uh, so like those good old memes you see on Facebook and such like where it says, you know, when someone mentions the 1970s and you think, oh, that was only 30 years ago, but actually that would have been the 90s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. how my mind goes. Yeah, um, absolutely. This is really powerful stuff, Anthony. And, you know, I think from the perspective of, of how you mentioned er, um, in your intro to me at the start, mm. we were talking about having that opportunity to make the visible or the invisible visible. So how, how would we do that, and especially in a work context? Because mental toughness, like I say, looks at how we think, and because we're able to quantify it using this instrument, it does allow us to create, you know, it's very difficult because you can't see somebody's thoughts. You can only often see the manifestation of those thoughts in their behavior. And But what this tool allows us to do is to be able to better understand how somebody will be thinking when they're exposed to those sort of situations of stress, pressure, and opportunity. So it gives us a common vocabulary to be able to understand how we respond mentally. And that is so powerful, not only in terms of one-to-one, because it gives people that voice to be able to understand their thoughts and then their, what drives those behaviors. But in a team setting, you know, we often will work with teams to be able to look at their team profile and go, well, actually you've got half of your team are perhaps the more towards the more mentally sensitive end and half of your team are more towards the mentally tough end. And that's why there might be some clashes because they're just thinking differently. It's not that one's right or one group is wrong. Yeah. It's just they're thinking differently. So it gives us that vocabulary to be able to have those conversations, to raise awareness, either self-awareness as an individual or as a group, to how those those thoughts come out and how people respond and then find a way forward as to how everyone can you know, work together better. So that's why we talk about it making the the invisible visible. I love that. And it's, um, again, really helpful just to hear how you convey that, just in that, that nice, simplified version of thinking about how we really, truly bring this to life. And mm. you mentioned as well about helping... Um, people utilize this to improve things like recruitment performance and well-being in the workplace so for those that are listening maybe in a workplace that maybe requires a little bit more mental toughness um, or however we would help those individuals in those circumstances where we are feeling maybe overwhelmed or under those stresses and pressures how would we utilize that approach to make things and make life a little bit easier in that in that place 
I think you're right. Mental toughness is strongly correlated towards with well-being um, in terms of how people respond mentally to different situations. You can understand that, can allow them to build up their mental toughness if that's what needed. In some instances, it's actually not about building up. It's about, you know, we're in several cases where we've worked with people who have got very high levels of mental toughness. And what they've actually needed to do is soften them oh i love that it's leading to burnout and issues so uh, you know again this is it's not as simple as high is good and low is bad it's high can be bad um without self-awareness and you know i've coached many people have right on the cusp of been dealing with burnout and when you look at their profile you can kind of understand it and they've gone oh my god that explains so much so yeah. learning to soften your mental toughness learning to start to think differently to to be a bit more compassionate to understand how they respond and why what's behind why they're pushing, pushing, pushing can be really powerful. Um, so it can be really helpful in that response. We know that it can, mental toughness can uh, account for as much as a 25% difference in performance between people of similar ability. So again, learning how maybe build up somebody's mental toughness has been proven in sort of academic settings and corporate settings as well can be really helpful. Gosh, um, yeah. Um, again, it's just thinking about. I, I'm writing notes down as yeah. we're chatting about some of the experiences that that maybe I've either had or observed in some workplaces, and um, something really just rang true when you said about those people um, demonstrating high levels of of mental toughness, um, and therefore maybe at that cusp of burnout. Um, would that be true of people that are maybe high people pleasers, for example, the people that say yes to a lot of things and therefore overburden themselves, take too much on? Would that be, you know, someone who would maybe have a high level of mental toughness? How would that show up for a person? Uh, I think it can be. Uh, I think the best thing is to assess the individual. But again, it's understanding what's driving that people pleasing. Yeah. It might be that they are um, lacking in, 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 in confidence in their abilities um, but have that higher level of interpersonal confidence. Um, and they might also be lacking in um, emotional control or even in, in that life control. They feel they've got to prove things to other people. So it's understanding everyone's profile is different. It's understanding what some of the drivers behind that, where might those things be coming from. Um, so it can, we can, it can be quite a powerful tool to sometimes really unpick what's behind some of this stuff. Again, we use that a lot when I'm working with people who might be suffering with imposter syndrome and we start to unpick, well, what's behind that? And where did that come from? Whose voice are you hearing um, when they talk about feeling like imposter syndrome as well? Um, so it can be, be really helpful. You asked about, you know, how can it be helpful um, in terms of it can be helpful in recruitment and selection. So if you know that you've got a particular team profile of the, the, your team that you are recruiting into have got a particular mental toughness profile. Uh, and that might be towards the higher end and you're about to recruit somebody towards the lower end. It might be asking yourself, well, actually, is that is that person going to be able to sort of manage with that? Are they going to be able to cope with that? Or actually, is that what we need? Do we need people in our team to help balance out our team profile? Because I do assess teams where everybody is, quite high or everybody is quite low and then you bring in an anomaly someone who sits at the different end of the spectrum and without that awareness and understanding it can cause problems yeah or i've also seen it used with organizations where they know that actually say in contact centers where they're faced with quite challenging situations on a daily basis they can be spoken to quite badly if you've got somebody who's more mentally sensitive 
the chances are they're just not maybe going to be able to cope with that or they're going to need some more wraparound support. So if you're able to measure some of your um, longer standing people, the ones that seem to cope better and they come out as a particular profile when it as part of your recruitment and it would only be part, you might be able to say, well, actually we're really looking for people with this kind of profile because we know they're able better able to cope with something. So it's, uh, you know, it can be used in lots of different settings. Definitely. And if you were giving um, to our listeners today um, mm-hmm. anything that they could use as maybe a little toolkit, and that might be a, you know, a series of questions to consider or things to reflect on, um, how, how would we assess without coming to you first but if we were considering our mental toughness how how would we support ourselves in that moment so is there anything that you could say is a bit of a takeaway for our audience to say if you're feeling at a time where you're either displaying lots of mental toughness or, or perhaps not enough in any given scenarios how, how would we deal with that in that moment what would be a good good thing to think about or consider um, I think it's important to I think self-reflection on past situations can be really important. So if you're facing a particular challenging time now, have a think back to the past. Have a think back to when you might have faced other challenging situations, even if they're not particularly similar. What were some of the qualities that you were able to use? How did you get through that? Because you have done, because you're here now. So what were some of the resources that you were able to lean on, whether those were internal, whether they're external, um and start to think about how you started to do that um would be my first call because we all have uh so much within us already we have you know as a coach you'll know this we the fundamental belief as a coach is that that individual the coachee has all the answers within themselves and if they don't have one or two they can we can find that they can go and find it elsewhere but a lot of that comes from we have within ourselves everything we need to be successful so start by looking inwards a bit more at some of those challenging times when did you go through them what did you use what qualities etc got you through them Great. And I think we we don't often do enough of that, do we? We don't often think to ourselves, actually, what can I lean on from my past experience that really helped me in that situation or scenario? So that self-reflection piece is really important, Anthony. So I think being able to remind people of that today, as you've done, is is, is fantastic. Now, something you said earlier on, you said, well, I'll come back to that later about you uh, and your wife being supportive um, and um, some of the, the ways that you're, are you working together? now how does that piece together with your you and your wife is a is a, do you work as a duo how does that operate in your yeah work? we do we we work as a duo in fact actually we talked about the name of uh the business being 359 that's going to be changing uh in a couple of weeks time where we're actually are we getting, going, are we getting a scoop here are we getting like yeah, first, first steps on this new information absolutely so the the tool that we use like i say is, is um created by a um psychometric provider called aqr and we will be the aqr the principal partner in the uk so we're actually changing the name to aqr consulting and using their their suite of uh of tools and we're responsible for yeah for doing that so she's going to be she works with me absolutely 
Fantastic. Which is interesting at times. So we've had to learn boundaries <laughs> around when we talk about work and when we talk about home stuff and, <laughs> and navigating that ourselves. It's still it's still fairly early days, but we're, yeah, we're excited by it. That's great, isn't it? I, I, I was even thinking to myself there, does, does that mean you need to demonstrate more or less mental toughness in a working relationship when it's all, also your, your household relationship as well? I think probably more self-awareness is the uh, overarching thing. So, yeah, we, we know our, our, our mental toughness profiles intimately. And, uh, yeah, sometimes it's um, it's just learning to moderate some of those, those behaviours sometimes because yeah. we're both fairly high on the mental toughness scale. Yeah, yeah, great. So, Anthony, do tell us, so if people wanted to connect with you um, now, if they wanted to find out a little bit more about mm. mental toughness, if they maybe wanted to take part in one of the profiles, if they wanted to engage with you to speak at an event or for you to facilitate a workshop, how would one go about doing that? <laughs> Probably the best place is to look me up on LinkedIn, just Anthony Taylor. And if you type in Anthony Taylor Mental Toughness, you should find me. Um, I spend far too much time on LinkedIn. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the best place to get hold of me. Uh, I don't really do Twitter or Instagram or I have got profiles on both, but I really don't go on them. It's just too, too much. So, yeah, LinkedIn's the place to be. Or you can drop me an email, anthony at 359. And the number, it's the word three, the word 50, and then the digit nine dot com. That's the current email address. And I take it that will still be in the background um, whilst you're transitioning to that new company name. Yeah. So we'll not lose you from that. So maybe there'll be a no. redirect or something on your new fancy shiny website, which can't be yeah. able to hear more about that. Um, so that will be coming soon in a couple of weeks. Is that right? Yeah, early October. Lovely. We'll watch out for that. And Anthony, of course, um, for anyone listening today to the podcast, if you have a look in the show notes that accompanies the podcast, you'll be able to find all of Anthony's contact details. We'll pop everything that we have in there. And Anthony, what we also do is we provide our listeners with a little bit of a toolkit, so a little one-two pager following uh, the recording. So anyone who is on our mailing list that subscribes to the podcast, www.dnacoach.co.uk forward slash podcast, um, will be receiving a, a little one-pager slash two-pager on the topic. So some of those great questions that you posed earlier on from a self-reflection, maybe we can tease a little bit of that out from our podcast recording and add that in just as a little bit of a self-reflection journal perhaps would that be okay with you yeah that would be great and uh yeah no that'd be great that'd be great good and if there's anything that you want to add to that of course you're more than welcome so before we do say our farewells um is there anything else that you would share as a little bit of a summary or as a key takeaway for people listening to this episode today yeah i think i would encourage people to think about Okay, we'll go back to start. Men don't see mental toughness as something that you are, as in, as in who you are. Are you high or are you low? Think of it as a continuum. It's about where you are now. And therefore, if you're a bit lower and it's something you think you might want to develop more of, you can do that. And equally, if, it's, if you're very high on mental toughness, it might be that it might benefit you to think about how do I turn the dial down on that so think about turning your mental toughness up or down a bit like a kind of graphic equalizer if you like is and it's not that one you know you'll change that according to what's going on in your life so see it as a graphic equalizer about how you think that can be adjusted that's going to help you deal with whatever challenges that you're facing 
That again, that visual, um, I've got an old style hi-fi um, visual in my mind, which some of our yeah. listeners might be thinking, what on earth is that? Because um, <laughs> yeah. everything's digital these days. But you're absolutely right, isn't it? Being able to dial that up and dial that down uh, where the situation or the scenario might call for that um, approach mm. is, is really, really powerful. Um, Anthony, you are an absolute treasure, an absolute delight. You were absolutely wonderful at the Coaches and Leaders Assemble Conference in Newcastle back in June. And I hope we get the opportunity to do that again in 2024. And if so, it would be great to have you back there as well. Um, I think it would probably be all the same speakers as before and even more because it was such a great event. And I, I want to say thank you once again for being able to join me today on the Coaches and Leaders Assemble podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time today that um, oh, not of course. It's, it's been a pleasure and a privilege oh. to be on for both your uh really well done conference and today so thank you for having me you are most welcome and of course we want people to connect with you so um I, i'm intrigued i want i think i want to do my mental toughness profile there's a little bit of me that thinks oh goodness what is it going to reveal do you get people with coming to you with that question when they do the profile like oh gosh what is this going to say yeah, they do. I think it's that sort of hang up, if you like, around what mental toughness is. And, and if you're not mentally tough, you must be mentally weak. And it's like, no, you're not mentally weak at all. Mental sense, sense, mentally sensitive, perhaps, but there's a lot of great qualities to mental sensitivity. And it's, so it's not that it's good or bad. So there sometimes can be that kind of reticence, but we try and put people at ease really quickly around that. And then once they get into it, they go, oh, wow, that's not what I was expecting. And actually, that's really useful. It's something that you said there, actually, I probably didn't connect with until you've mentioned it just now, where there might be those people that might think, oh, I don't want to do that then because will this reveal that I am mentally weak in that sense, as you've described, or actually it's about that mental sensitivity. But mm. of course, then in going through that profile, you may discover where the the benefits, the pros and cons, perhaps, of, of each end of that, that continuum might be and, and where we need to maybe lean on some of that and pull it out of the bag and able to enable us to deal with that scenario or situation that we find ourselves in at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you imagine being in a team where everybody was high levels of mental toughness, it would be oh. exhausting. And yeah. possibly like a bunch of lemmings that would run over going, oh, let's do the next big thing, the next push, push, push. Whereas actually sometimes... You know, you'd hate to have a project manager or somebody like that or a risk manager who was extremely mentally tough and would just, yeah, let's run forward and go and do this. You want someone who's going to go, well, hang on a minute, what are all the things that can go wrong? And that's where understanding the mental sensitivity and the benefits of that can be really helpful. Great. I love that, Anthony. Well, hopefully we'll get to hear more about that as the time goes on. And of course, for anyone that is interested, you can find Anthony um, via 359.com. So the word three, the word 50, the number nine.com and soon to be a new website coming soon, which of course we'll update our um, subscribers with as well and make sure we get all that shared. Anthony, once again, thank you so much for joining me today. An absolute pleasure. Um, and I'll look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Thank you so much, Anthony. Brill, have a baby week. Speak to you soon. You too. Bye. Take it easy. Bye for now.